Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. And today we are doing our reread of John 3 from A Game of Thrones. And I am Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. And I am joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Lot. Hi. I'm Lot, uh, the Lady of Tarth on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter. Um, so usual trigger warning for rape and violence. Also, if this is your first time joining us, we spoil everything, books and show. So I did like a long summary, but I believe I could probably summarize this as John is joined the army, the equivalent of the army. <laughs> <laughs> and he it's not what the recruiter promised him. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's like a lot of service films I've seen before. You know, he's the one he's the character who's come in with some sort of like ROTC training, but somehow has to be in basic training with all of these other people who are literally just stepping off the bus. Am I wrong here? No, you're right. And um. Sir Alistair Thorne is basically the equivalent of every brutal sergeant in every film with the basic training thing you've ever seen. Um, and like every film, you know, I'm talking about here, um, he has taken a violent dislike to John and he keeps calling him Lord Snow. Um, John, for his part, is very bitter. He doesn't like his fellow recruits. He judges them by, I would say, Winterfell standards. Um, he's also very unpopular, and he's kind of whiny about it. Um, well, it's interesting that he doesn't realize why he's unpopular. Yeah. It takes uh, Donald Noy to kind of like open up his eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of be up on that kind of thing, like particularly being like how much he was up on at Winterfell with being, you know, the bastard and all that and how, um, I guess what introspective he could be about stuff and his place and things like that. It was kind of interesting that he didn't realize why people didn't like him. Well, I, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but like I have gone once or twice to reunions. I've usually regretted it, but it's always been interesting to me when I do talk to people who maybe I wasn't particularly friends with and stuff or didn't know really well. Wait, are we talking uh, high school reunions? Yeah, high school family? reunions. Okay, yeah. Okay. High school. <laughs> family is a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but like high school reunions where, you know, you're talking to someone who you thought was super popular and then you find out like that they were going through all this stuff that you had no idea about. So He's like 15, right? 14, 15. I could see yeah, why he might 14. be unaware. He's 14. Um, actually, let's well, just he doesn't. He, oh, sorry. Well, I was Go just going to say, he just, you, you, uh, George likes to do this. He, he will do this with Tyrion, and he definitely does with Jamie. 
Um, he, he likes to make people kind of confront their privilege, and that's clearly what John is having to do in yes, this chapter. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks to one Donald Noy who wax paper writes, Can we start a Donald Noy Appreciation Society? I'll make badges. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like a badge, please. <laughs> the very old Donald Noy may point out well past 30. <laughs> well past 30. He lived his whole life. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Um, okay, sorry. I, 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 this is not going to be real long, but like basically, John feels very alone and abandoned. Benjamin does not have time for him. And John is real bitter because Benjamin has gone on the ranging expedition. And um, when John had asked if he could go, Benjamin is like, yeah, you're, you're, you're a recruit. You need to earn your place. And Benjamin tells him, and I'm going to read this bit here. If you thought your stark blood would win you easy favors, you were wrong. We put aside our old families when we swear our vows. Your father will always have a place in my heart, but these are my brothers now. He gestured with his dagger at the men around him, all the hard, cold men in black. And while I get that and I appreciate that, there's a part of me, this is Mikama here, thinking that perhaps this is something Benjamin should have had a discussion with his nephew about. He should have been like, don't fucking join this gang. Like, why would you want to? He did. Him? He but, did like, tell him that. More adamantly. Like, a little more. <laughs> well, like, it, it's not like you're. Okay, this is like the thing with recruiters that I brought up. It's one thing if you're having a conversation with someone who is a full adult and, you know, spelling out, this is what we do. But, like, part of the things I've always hated with, like, some of the stories I've heard with people who have been recruited into the service is they don't always do this. And a lot of times they're talking to kids who are 17, 18 years old who maybe can't make these decisions yet. And, I mean, John is significantly younger than that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying he... Well, and clearly he's heard the romantic version. You know, you, you see it in his first chapters. You know, he, he has this kind of romanticized version of what, what the Night's Watch is, and it's really cool. It's really not dissimilar to Jamie with the Kingsguard, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have this whole thing in your head about, oh, this is going to be this. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be awesome to be part of it. And then you get there, and it's just a bunch of bullshit. Basically. <laughs> Like, do not trust an organization that prohibits you from fucking women. Like, I just... <laughs> or fucking anybody. Or let's fucking, be just, I mean, yeah. That's, like, just oh, red please. flags. Um, so, I and a little tidbit I thought was interesting is there's not a Godswood at Castle Black, which I didn't remember either. Oh. Um, I, just, I don't know. That's just struck out of me. Yeah, they have to go beyond the wall, you know, when he swears, finally. Spoilers. Yes, John does, in fact, join the Night's Watch. <laughs> so, um, but John had basically, they'd been in the yard and he basically defeated um, Gren and, like, broke his hand. And um, now John is off skulking, sulking somewhere and he's missing his family, um, even his half-sister Sansa, who apparently is always referred to him as his half, her half-brother. Um, <laughs> Sansa <I> love. salty. <laughs> Um, but um, he's feeling very sorry for himself when Gren and his friends have um, come up to him and you know they're kind of resentful and they start trading insults and then they bring up John's mother and John you know loses it and starts fighting with them and then our hero at least for this chapter Donald Noy shows up (laughs) breaks it up makes everyone take off except John and then 
I guess, I don't know, is this the come to Jesus meeting? I don't know. But Donald starts telling him some hard truths, which is basically, John has had it pretty damn easy. They're all equal. This is how it is. And I got to love him for that. Um, we get some backstory about Donald, um, who I had totally blanked on all of this. Um, didn't remember any of it. Yeah, but I he know. Had, this is actually really or maybe interesting. It just, well, you know, maybe I didn't know this bit, but he had been... Um, Stannis Baratheon Smith at Storm's End and been quite this figure and the only reason he had taken the black is that he lost his arm. Maybe I, I just was, yeah. I didn't realize the significance of Stannis when I first read this book. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I mean the important thing that's kind of one of the important things is revealed that he was the man that made the hammer that killed Rhaegar. Yeah. Right. Which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um Mm. Donald basically calls actually does call John out as a bully um, he says the reason because John is all when they hate me and Donald's like they hate you because you act like you're the superior person um, and he basically points out that John has had far more advantages than that they have and an easier life comparatively than they have um, well and this is this is part of John's you know journey is He's come from viewing himself as, you know, the 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 bastard, the the underprivileged person in his family, which, of course, in his nuclear family, he is that person. But what he doesn't understand is that that still puts him at an, you know, incredible position of privilege compared to basically everyone else in Westeros. I mean, you know, he's yeah, he he's a bastard son, but he's the bastard son of one of the most powerful men in the whole, you know, realm who treated so, him like family and brought yeah. him up, you know. Who raised him personally, and you know he's he he it you know I'm not saying that that John didn't have some real misfortunes. He obviously certainly did, but you know it's just well, this is just privilege. Anybody who has privilege, this is what it is. It's it doesn't mean that your life hasn't been shitty. It just means that X Y Z things are things that you have not had to deal with, and that is yeah. what John is finding out right now. Yeah. At this point, um, I think John like kind of is starting to get it. Not totally, but I think some of this is sinking in. Um, there's this lovely, I won't read the whole passage, don't worry, but there's this lovely bit where he's talking about um, the wall, which I want to read a little bit of this. Um, there's a big description about the size of it in Castle Black, um, but this part I really liked was the wall was like that. Sometimes he could almost forget it was there. The way you forgot about the sky or the earth underfoot but there were other times when it seemed as if there was nothing else in the world. It was older than the Seven Kingdoms, and when he stood beneath it and looked up, it made John dizzy. He could feel the great weight of all that ice pressing down on him, as if it were about to topple. And some t- somehow John knew that if it fell, the world fell with it. So my thoughts when like I was reading this was, how could they even think that the wall didn't have significance and that, you know, maybe these things are real because like who goes to this effort to build a wall like this? Yeah. Unless it's well, actually you know is makes, a thing. You know who makes that mistake that John remembers him saying it is Tyrion. Tyrion's like, yeah, it's the greatest structure ever built and the most useless. Yeah. And it's like someone like Tyrion should surely have known no one would go to this trouble <laughs> if they weren't terrified of something. Right. Yeah. Well, then I got thinking about the pyramids because I don't, I don't get that for a tomb. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the pyramids mean something, guys. 
<laughs> Mommy, it's real. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to get mail about that. <laughs> I don't want it. It's, it's aliens. <laughs> Conspiracy theory inbound. Uh, um, so speaking of Tyrion, he joins him and they talk about this. And um, Tyrion basically advises him, you, you shouldn't let, you can't let other people see that the words hurt you. Um, which is good advice um, because they just embrace that. And his advice is, look, you've just, you've just kind of got to like own the insults. Um, there's a bit of exposition here where we learn that the Night's Watch is far from what it once was. They're at a tenth of their capacity and the infrastructure is all falling apart. So it's kind of like the CDC. Um, sorry. Um, oh, they talk about Benjamin. And oh, I neglected to mention this, but John had an he had a vision, which I thought was interesting, of seeing Benjamin dead lying bleeding in the snow. And mm. he's reminded of that again. And then Sir Alistair shows up and tells him that Lord Mormont wants to see him and that it has to do with his half brother. John runs off to see uh, Mormont and he learns there's a bit of other stuff in this letter, but he basically learns that Bran has woken up and John is so relieved that he's like running around and he approaches Gren and the rest of his group and offers to help him learn how to defend himself. Um, unfortunately, Sir Alistair overhears and then John makes the mistake of making a joke at Sir Alistair's expense, which goes over really well. And Sir Alistair tells him he has made an enemy. Mm-hmm. I love the way that John reacts oh. to the news about Bran because everyone around him, you know, Jerry Mormont and everyone else is like, oh, it's really bad news. You know, he's going to be the terminology that they're using here is crippled for life. Um, but John is like, well, he's alive. He and that's all that matters right. to John. And I, I appreciate that so much about John that, you know, he, he's focused on the most important thing. Um, yeah, the other well, thing that touched oh, me too about this was like the fact that it was Rob who was writing him to give the, him this oh, news yeah. that he knew that like it would be so important that he hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I love like it, it also because John has really been kind of an an idiot or not an idiot a whiner for most of this chapter, but it reminds that letter reminds us okay. Not only is he dealing with all of this stuff, but there's this other background stuff that, you know, the stuff about Bran has clearly been weighing on him. And that gives a little context and makes him seem much more likable. Or at least I like him more. Yeah, Um, he's got a good heart, right? I mean. Yeah, well, everything about it, the way that he, you know, once someone points out to him what he's been doing with the other, you know, guys that he's training with. I shouldn't even say kids because they're all older than him. You know, he he learns. He's like, oh, that does suck. You know, that isn't cool. Maybe this is a better way to approach it. And, you know, he completely turns it around. And that's, you know, kind of an ongoing thing with John. John is capable of 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 hearing new perspectives and different viewpoints and kind of taking them on board. There's a little bit of a revolutionary inside John. He can he can completely have something flipped 180 and he doesn't cling to his worldview. He's willing to to kind of see things from another side. And honestly, that's actually a really good sign of a, a good leader, somebody that mm-hmm. can, you know, yeah. change their opinion based on, you know, a perspective or a fact that they may not he have can, had. Yeah, he can learn and he can adapt. 
And like Sir Alistair, I think I think he's a a good I mean, he's a good drill sergeant or whatever you call it, but you know, he can't he can't see past this. You know, that's why he's limited. And John can. It is the right word because I think he was. I'm trying to be kind. You know, it's it's perfectly. You can see how he was perfectly happy with John. Just kind of, he didn't. I don't think ever had much regard for John from the beginning. But he did not hate him until this moment when he was seeing like the guys kind of turning around and perhaps. And he's a grown ass man. I mean, a teenager (laughs) makes a joke, and for that you forty something. Yeah, I mean. I'm sorry. I work with students all the time, most of whom are older than 18 or well, older than John, certainly. And, you know, students say stupid ass things all the time. You know, you just try not to let it bother you and you just mm. move along. Um, I learned this a long time ago. I would have thought Sir Alistair would have, too, but <laughs> <laughs> he is not of your metal, comma. <laughs> no, no. Well, he just is an asshole to everyone. I mean, that's pretty clear yeah. in the chapter. He's just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> We know this. Um, So one of the things I really like that George does here and, you know, he has this really this really strict, tight, you know, third person POV structure that he uses to tell his story where you really get in someone's head for their chapter and you see things 100 percent from their point of view. And, um, you know, as a writer, when you're doing something like that, you need to let your audience know that, hey, you know, this is definitely a perspective. This is not necessarily objective truth. And he really illustrates that with John in this chapter where at the beginning of the chapter, you're, you're kind of empathetic with John and you're like, Oh, well, you know, this sucks. You know, he's stuck doing this. And you have this Donald Noy character who goes, Hey, like, look at this objectively. Let's look objectively at what's happening here. Like you need to pay attention to what's going on with the secondary and tertiary characters and what they're saying, what they're doing and what it might tell you about what's going on in the background. And this is a big part of the way that that George tells his stories. If you just take the perspectives and the voices of his of his POV characters as the word of law, you would have a very different view of what's <laughs> going on if you don't kind of try to put the the story all together yourself in your head. Like if you just take say Cersei's chapters and just take her word for what's going on and don't pay attention to what's happening around her, you would have a very different view of what's happening. So um, this I is mean, also like an instructive <laughs> Yeah, well, but this is this is instructive for how to kind of interpret the story as well. You know, the Red Wedding, you can see it coming if you're really paying attention to what's going on around, you know, what other characters are saying and doing. Yeah. So the, this is this is kind of George. <laughs> this is George going a little meta and being like, OK, you need to you need to pay attention to the whole thing. Don't just take John's word for this. Here's what's really going on. Right. We had some questions. Um, did you want to do mail now? Sure. Okay. Um, so Barbecue, spelled very creatively, um, asks, do you think Tyrion would have made for a good member of the Night's Watch? I'm not sure which book chapters they were, but I remember he mentioned how he could have been sent by Tywin to the Wall for being a bad son. If it did come true, do you think he would have been useful there? I think he would have done well. Yeah. I do. I think could have adapted. He could have resented it. God, yeah. if you think John is resentful, imagine oh Tyrion. <laughs> he yeah, kind of likes a plush well. lifestyle. He just wouldn't have been satisfied with it. Yeah, Not he, enough he, for him. Yeah. He likes it. living as a Lannister. He likes all the stuff. He likes the privilege. And I mean, up until a certain point, 
whatever else Tywin is or isn't to his to Tyrion. I mean, he doesn't stint on the money. So, no. I mean, I think that would have rankled. I mean, he's grousing here that the stew doesn't have meat in it, you know, or doesn't have enough meat in it. I can't imagine him. And he's just there for what, a couple days? Or a month or oh, something. No, for weeks. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's yeah. not like a lifetime. He gets to leave. I mean, yeah, you know. But I think he could have been capable. I think he would have. Well, like Devin know. said, he would he would have done well. I'm sure he would have thrived. He thrives everywhere. Just be a leader, know? yeah. <laughs> but it, man, he would have hated it. Oh God. I'm thinking about it now. That incel in the Night's Watch no! was a nightmare. <laughs> Oh my god, I've never thought of him that way, but you're so right. Mm-hmm. Well, he can go yes. visit, like, he can go to like where the whores are in Molestown and stuff. He would have that would be enough for Tyrion, you know. No. No. This chapter no. somehow would have been worse. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the next question is, do you think uh, Tywin is a member of the Night's Watch? Um, it's somewhat common in canon fix I don't know if I find it terrifying or the answer to all the White Walker Mm -hmm. problems is it common in canon fix to have Tywin as a member I've never read it I'm tempted to hunt it down but I mean I think like any of the people who are like the the cold hearted old men that I love so much I think any of them probably would have done quite well Mm mm-hmm I mean, these are guys who oh, yeah. are, they're military. They I mean, like I don't think Tywin is the strategist he thinks he is, but they're very, you know, they understand how this stuff works. They do what they got to do. I, I mean, I think any I guess of, we should say Tywin would be good in the Night's Watch generally. I don't know how Tywin would have adjusted to what's about to happen with the Night's yeah, Watch. Yeah. yeah, I think he that's He probably would not have the flexibility to deal with, you know, trying to oh, ally yeah. with the free folk or anything like that. I, I don't know that he would have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't... I, do I don't think, think the Night's Watch would be more prepared, though. I think he mm-hmm. would... I think every castle yes. would be manned. Like, those type yeah. things. Like, that would definitely be happening with Tywin, like if he's in charge there. Like I could see them him like having the skills and the understanding of how to get like the lords to be sending their younger sons or to like I but I don't I think Chicky's right. I don't think he would have been able to make the leap to there is an otherworldly thing happening and we need to pay attention. That is not his skill set. He would have been able to use the people he needed to use in that moment and then in the back of his head be like, okay, yeah, well when this is all over, we're going to go back to the way it should be. Yeah. He did it before eh, with the mountain people. I got to find this fanfic because I've never read this one. I mean, (laughs) this strikes me as right up my alley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So um, we have other mail, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the chapter. Um, It's more general mail that we have. And, you know, because we record these like so... Um, at different times. Um, sorry if it's taken us a while to get to some of these, but we are now. So this one's um, a Tad Williams influence on the series. Has anyone read um, hmm. Memory, Sorrow, and Oh, Thorn? the Dragonbone Chair. Yes, years ago. Years and years ago. Okay. Yes. 
So what they're asking, well, they say that they've seen like some similarities between the dragon bone chair and the song mm-hmm. of ice and fire. There's a young character who loves climbing up precarious towers. There's a primary character who's missing a hand. There's a young noble woman mm-hmm. who escapes and disguises herself as a boy. Not exactly unusual trope in fantasy, I admit. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, anyway, I wonder if there are any more literary narrative similarities that I just don't have the knowledge to recognize. Hmm. Uh, this came up in fandom. God, when was that? It's so hard to know what happened in time at this stage of the game. Um, hmm. I, I want to say maybe six months ago. It might have been less time than that. Um, oh, okay. This came up in fandom. People were like, oh, my God, this, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire is basically, you know, a remake of Tad Williams' um, series. And uh, I, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, shit, there are things. Yeah, there, there definitely mm-hmm. are. But um, at the same time, oh God, I'm going to be an asshole. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the storytelling, the kind of, um, you know, I don't consider George to be grimdark, but he falls into that category. And that's definitely not what Tad Williams is doing. Um, the tone, I guess I'm trying to say is completely different. And uh, the story is completely different. I mean, it's kind of like when people are like, oh, George was inspired by, um, you know, the Wars of the Roses. It's like, yeah, <laughs> he was. Some some of the storylines, some of the threads were inspired by that. doesn't mean that they're going to follow that. And it doesn't mean that, you know, everything is a complete, you know, redux of that. It's not, you know, I mean, inspiration doesn't really work like that with fiction. And um, George, George, yes, borrowed a few things, I think, from Tad Williams. But apparently George acknowledged that many, many years ago. Oh. So, um yeah, I can I can see a little bit of it. I haven't I haven't reread those books in so long, and I actually tried a few years ago to reread them, and I found them um, impossible to read at this uh, stage in my life. Okay. <laughs> More power to anybody who can do it. Okay, because um, uh, Monique George's work is far superior. That's what I'll say about that. Okay, because yeah, Monique uh, who wrote wrote in this question then asks, um, I'd consider donating for the chance to hear you discuss it in depth. <laughs> <laughs> But you would have to reread another Gargantuan series to do so. So that sounds like it's a hard no from Chicky Monique. <laughs> I mean, uh, he was head hopping. I tried. I tried. And like the head hopping within just the first couple chapters, I was just oh. like, I can't do this anymore. Oh. I can't. Oh, okay. So not point of view, but like diff- multiple people in one chat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right oh, back I, in I, about yeah. 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have another Anon from Tumblr ask, do you think one of the reasons why Jamie was into Cersei eek, is because he thought she's a strong and fierce woman, but he doesn't realize it's the abusive kind until he meets Brienne, who is the good embodiment of it, a trait he finds amazing in women? Mm. No, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I realize there's an element of that with their relationship that you can kind of read into it, but... I think Jamie's into Brienne for reasons that he can't really name and that have a lot to do with the fact that she's like fucking powerful and stuff. I mean, like I think his first initial attraction to her is physical as weird as that sounds. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it has much to do with her person. I think that comes later. Yeah. And I think it's more about it. You know, it's more about her honor um, and, and kind of her ideals than maybe the, the good and bad. But so I mean, there's an element of it underneath it all. That's what I can't get. Why, why does he like Cersei so much? Uh, I, mean, no like, need, think- I mean, they're their entire lives. It's not even like an older, younger sibling. And they've mm. had this weird bro- growing up. And they're, it's a 
strange relationship with a weird, weird family. I mean, I think, and I think that stuff takes, I mean, just like a flowers in the attic type situation. Well, not quite that bad, but um, I mean, it is quite that bad. (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, flowers in the attic. Come on. It's not like Tywin locked them up and, you know, no, but I think, I think there's an element of, and like Jamie flat out says it and Tyrion says it too, where um, Jamie sees a Cersei who doesn't really exist. I think he kind of has invented a Cersei. Well, and it's abusive. It's an abusive relationship and your mind, it's a mind fuck thing that happens. I mean, you know, takes time to sort all that out. And it's not like there's therapy in Westeros. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Imagine if there were. I don't think we'd have thick as of books. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's see. Another Tumblr Anon. Hi. Hello. I just started listening to the podcast after many years of basically lurking in the fandom. And I just wanted to thank you guys for sharing it. I've been in a bad place lately. Super pessimistic about everything. And listening to you guys talk about the books brings back the joy and enjoyment of the story and these characters. So thank you. Oh, that's good. Oh, that makes yeah. it so worth it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's see. We have a iTunes review. Five stars. Um, men shouldn't be allowed to talk about a song of ice and fire. <laughs> uh, no offense meant to the occasional gents. <laughs> it's okay. Devin's one of us now anyway. Um, <laughs> this is the only God a song of ice and fire podcast I can bear to listen to because there are so many terrible takes out there, especially from men. I saw... <laughs> I saw some of them had left bad reviews in this pod. Read. So I felt compelled to leave my own review to drown out their lack of imagination and fun. This podcast does a great job of diving into character and inferring plot and meaning from there instead of the logic gymnastics some dude bros do to make characters fit in with their fan theories. I only read A Song of Ice and Fire after season eight aired because I was so devastated and yet haunted by that ending that I needed to get to the bottom of the source material myself. I imagine imagine my surprise when the books were not as twincest had described them on Twitter. In all seriousness, I know you all hate the show and are well justified in the feeling, but I wanted you to know it is possible to fall in love with Jamie and Brienne without reading the books first. I was so pleasantly surprised when I read the books because while JB and other characters are quite different, uh, better in them, it was like the best bits of the admittedly flawed show characters come to life. Anyway, I will refrain from waxing poetic about Brienne's vulnerability or Jamie's cruel wit, but I want to thank you guys for bringing for being my book club when I didn't have one, and for often validating my book opinions when dude bros don't. Please don't leave me before Winds comes out, a.k.a. never. <laughs> That's so cool. That's an awesome review. That's a great one. That is cool. Sorry, men. <laughs> well, I will say, in defense of the dude bros, they cover stuff we don't cover. But Hi. I think we kind of fill a different <laughs> a different niche. I believe basically. you called it God's work once, Chicky. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you want to hear certain aspects of, 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 you know, people's opinions about characters or the books, yeah, you can go other places. But I, I do think we do something that not many other people who are podcasting about A Song of Ice and Fire do. 
Okay, uh, we have another comment from Podbean. Um, oh no, you stopped too soon. Well, known or not, I would have loved to hear more about the symbolism of lions and also about the symbolism of certain keys in their relationship, uh, key scenes in their relationship, especially as GRM has used both subtlety and not in describing it. It was also interesting to call Cersei and his family as the Phantom Limb. Anyway, thanks for a great podcast from a listener in Finland. Ooh, that's awesome. That's super cool. I can't remember. I used to like demand things from people from. (laughs) Yes, yes, you did. (laughs) We haven't had enough from this. All right, Finland, stepping up your game. I'm looking at you. You should ask for a recipe. Remember, (laughs) Norway represent. I like fish. I could use some Finland recipes. (laughs) Okay, uh, finish. Let's see, Podbean comment. Uh, thank you for the pandemic distraction, uh, Duncan Rohan Five Ever. Yes. Oh, yes. Totally agree. Yeah, I know. Trust. Not me. I know. Chicky's a tansy too tall. I'm a tansel forever. <laughs> Let's see. Jim. I'm with you, Chicky. <laughs> okay. That's right. Moving on. No. <laughs> Uh, Gmail. Uh, we have a message from Bethany. Uh, Bethany, actually, hey all. I'm listening to the most recent episode now, 309, the special app about Jamie and Brienne and symbolism. And you guys were talking about why the swords in Jamie's dream might have been flaming. And someone said Blood Raven was just bored and filling in the details. And I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> he had flaming swords for the aesthetic. <laughs> I love that you guys are doing the book reread chapter by chapter. I also started reading the books last summer and I'm slowly making my way through them, listening to the podcast with chapters you've covered as I read. I love that we're all kind of in a virtual book club together, reading and discussing these books. Thank you again for all your hard work and for sharing with us. Take care, Bethany. Oh, <laughs> oh these are great. You guys yeah, are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> All right, iTunes, five stars from Bethany, actually. (laughs) Thoughtful, intelligent discussions and lots of laughter. The women and occasional gents who have been giving, having a long-running conversation about GRM's world and characters are smart and hilarious and do not shy away from difficult topics or from disagreeing with each other. (laughs) And we just did. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes for a really fun podcast, one that makes it feel like I'm listening in on a book club for uh, of a rotating roster of interesting people. I especially appreciate that they all seem to be unapologetic feminists. Damn straight. Yeah. We are that. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Next, we have a Tumblr anon, and this is going to be our last. Um, A quick thought on the what is Drogo getting out of this marriage discussion. I don't think this makes it better in any way, but my impression was honestly that Targaryens are basically considered magical, and that's a huge status symbol for Drogo. GRM's obsession with the Targ's otherness is probably my biggest issue with the book universe in general because of how it's often used as a shortcut to solve these types of logic holes. (laughs) Don't disagree. Yeah, hard agree on that point. Yeah. Feels like a reach, but if you're going to come up with a reason for it, I guess maybe. (laughs) As good as any, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's our mail. That's it. With a lot of it, um, we love receiving mail, and we invite you to send us some. And um, as I think we said already, we are recording episodes ahead of time. Um, so if it takes a while for we, us to get to your message, that's why. 
um, you can send your comments or questions to close the door and at gmail.com. Or you can send us questions on Tumblr at close the door and come here on Tumblr.com. We are also on uh, Twitter at Door Podcast. And you can also ask questions on the Jamie and Brienne subreddit. A big thank you to our Patreons who help us with our hosting fees. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can find us there at www.patreon.com slash close the door. And um, we love receiving iTunes or reviews, so please review us wherever you are listening to the podcast. I am closing the door. Get out.